Section 22 of Stories from Le Mort d'Arthur and the Mabinogion. Retold by Beatrice Clay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 7. Sir Perdor. Chapter 22. The Adventures of Sir Perdor. At one time there was in the north of Britain a great earl named Erwak. A stout knight he was, and few were the tournaments at which he was not to be found in company with the six of his sons, the seventh only, who was too young to bear arms, remaining at home with his mother. But at the last, after he had won the prize at many a tourney, Earl Erwak was slain, and his six son with him, and then the countess fled with Perdor, her youngest, to a lonely spot in the midst of the forest far from the dwellings of men, for she was minded to bring him up where he might never hear of jousts and feasts of arms, that so at last one son might be left to her. So Perdor was reared amongst women and decreeped old men, and even these were strictly commanded never to tell the boy aught of the great world beyond the forest, or what men did therein. Nonetheless, he grew up active and fearless, as nimble and sure-footed as the goats, and patient of much toil. Then one day, when Perdor was grown a tall, strong youth, there chanced what had never chanced before, for there came riding through the forest, hard by where Perdor dwelt with his mother, a knight in full armor, none other indeed than the good knight Sir Alwain himself. And seeing him, Perdor cried out, Mother, what is that yonder? An angel, my son, said his mother. Then will I go and become an angel with him, said Perdor, and before anyone could stay him, he was gone. When Sir Alwain saw him approaching, he reined in his horse, and after a courteous salutation said, I pray thee, fair youth, tell me, hast thou seen a knight pass this way? I know not what a knight may be, answered Perdor. Why, even such an one as I, answered Sir Alwain. If ye will tell me what I ask you, I will tell you what you ask me, said Perdor. And when Alwain, laughing, consented, Perdor touched a saddle and demanding, What is this? Surely a saddle, replied Sir Alwain. And in like manner, Perdor asked him of all the parts of his armor, and Alwain answered him, patiently and courteously. Then, when he had ended his questions, Perdor said, Ride forward, for yesterday I saw from a distance such an one as ye are, right through the forest. Sir Perdor returned to his mother and exclaimed, Mother, that was no angel, but a noble knight. And hearing his words, his mother fell into a swoon. But Perdor hastened to the spot where there were feathered the horses that brought them firewood and food from afar, and from when he chose a bony piebald which seemed the strongest and in the best condition. Then he found a pack and fastened it on the horse's back, in some way to resemble a saddle, and strove with twigs to imitate the trappings he had seen upon Sir Owain's horse. When his preparations were complete, he returned to the countess, who by then was recovered from her swoon, and she saw that all her trouble had been in vain, and that the time was come when she must part with her son. "'Thou wilt ride far, my son?' she asked. "'Yeah, with your leave,' he answered. "'Hear then my counsel,' 
said she go thy way to arthur's court for there are the noblest and the truest knights and wheresoever thou seest the church fail not to say thy prayers and whatsoever woman demands thy aid refuse her not so bidding his mother farewell perdor mounted his horse and took in his hand a long sharp-pointed stake he journeyed many days till at last he had come to carlion where arthur held his court and dismounting at the door he entered the hall even as he did so a stranger knight who had passed in before him seized a goblet and dashing the wine in the face of the queen janvier held the goblet and cried if any dare dispute this goblet with me or venture to avenge the insult done to arthur's queen let him follow me to the meadow without where i will await him and for sheer amazement at this insolence none moved save perdor who cried aloud i will seek out this man and do vengeance upon him then a voice exclaimed welcome goodly perdor thou flower of knighthood and all turned in surprise to look upon a little misshapen dwarf who a year before had craved and obtained shelter in arthur's court and since then had spoken no word but Kay the sensual in anger that a mere boy and one so strangely equipped as perdor should have taken up the queen's quarrel with when proven knights had remained mute struck the dwarf crying thou art ill-bred to remain mute a year in arthur's escort and then to break silence in praise of such a fellow then perdor who saw the blow cried as he left the hall knight hereafter ye shall answer to me for that blow therewith he mounted his piebald and rode in haste to the meadow and when the knight espied him he cried to him tell me youth sowst thou any coming after me from the court i am come myself said perdor hold thy peace answered the knight angrily and go back to the court and say that unless one comes in haste i will not tarry but will ride away holding them all shamed by my faith said perdor willingly or unwillingly thou shalt answer to me for thine insolence and i will have the goblet of thee a and thy horse and armour to boot with that in a rage the knight struck perdor a violent blow between the neck and the shoulder with the butt-end of his lance so cried perdor not thus did my mother's servants play with me and thus will i play with thee and drove at him with his pointed stake that it entered the eye of the knight and who forthwith fell dead from his horse then perdor dismounted and began wrenching at the fastenings of the dead man's armour for he saw in the adventure the means of equipping himself as a knight should ride but knowing not the trick of the fastenings his efforts were in vain while he yet struggled there rode up sir alwain who had followed in hot haste from the court and when he saw the fallen knight he was amazed that a mere lad unarmed and unskilled in knightly exercises should thus have prevailed fair youth said he what would you i would have this knight's iron coat but i cannot steer it for all my efforts nay young sir said sir alwain leave it at his arms and take mine and my horse which i give you right gladly and come with me to the king to receive the order of knighthood for by my faith ye have shown yourself worthy of it 
I thank you, noble sir, answered Perdor, and gladly I accept your gift, but I will not go with you now. Rather will I seek other adventures and prove me further first, nor will I seek the king's presence until I have encountered with the tall knight that so misused the dwarf and have called him to account. Only I pray you, take this goblet to Queen Jeanvier and say to my lord, King Arthur, that in all places and at all times I am his true vassal and will render him such service as I may. Then, when Sir Alwain says help, Peridor put on the armor and, mounting his horse after due salutation, rode on his way. So for many days Peridor followed his adventures, and many a night he met and overthrew. To all he yielded grace, requiring only that they should ride to Carlion, there to give themselves up to the king's displeasure, and say that Peridor had sent them. At last he came to a fair castle that rose from the shores of a lake, and there he was welcomed by a venerable old man who pressed him to make some stay. So as they sat at supper, the old man asked Perdor many questions of himself and his adventure, gazing earnestly on him the while. And at last he said, I know thee who art thou, thou art my sister's son. Stay now with me, and I will teach thee the arts and courtesy and noble bearings of a gentle knight, and give thee the degree when thou art accomplished in all that becomes an honourable knight. Therefore, Perdor assented gladly, and remained with his uncle until he had come to a perfect knowledge of chivalry. After that, he received the order of knighthood at the old men's hands, and rode forth again to seek adventures. Presently he came to the city of Carlion, but though Arthur was there with all his court, Sir Perdor chose to make himself known to none, for he had not yet avenged the dwarf on Sir Kay. Now it chanced as he walked through the city, he saw at her casement a beautiful maiden whose name was Angrahad, and at once he knew that he had seen the damsel who he must love his life long. So he sought to be acquainted with her, but she scorned him, thinking him but some unproved knight, since he consorted not with those of Arthur's court, and at last, finding he might is no wise win her favor at that time, he made a vow that never would he speak to a Christian man or woman until he gained her love, and forthwith rode away again. After long journeyings, he came one night to a castle and knocking gained admittance and Curtis reception from the lady who owned it. But it seemed to Sir Perdor that there hung over all a gloom, none caring to talk or make merry, though there was no lack of the consideration due to a guest. Then, when the evening hour has come, they took their places at the board, Perdor being set at the countess's right hand, and two nuns entered and placed before the lady a flagon of wine and six white loaves, and that were all the fare. Then the countess gave a largely of the foot to Sir Perdor, keeping a little for herself and her attendants. But this pleased not the knight, who, needless of his oath, said, Lady, permit me to fare as do the others and he took but a small portion of that which she had given him. Then the countess, blushing as with shame, said to him, Sir knight, if we make you poor cheer, for otherwise is our desire, but we are in sore straits. 
madam answered Fordor courteously for your welcome i thank you heartily and i pray you if there is aught in which a knight may serve you tell me your trouble then the countess told him how she had been her father's one child and an heir to his broad lands and how a neighboring baron had sought her hand but she misliking him had refused his suit so that his wrath was great then when her father died he had made war upon her overrunning all her lands till nothing was left to her but the one castle long since all the provision stored therein was consumed and she must have yielded her to her oppressor but for the charity of the nuns of a neighboring monastery who had secretly supplied her with food when for fear her vassals had forsaken her but that day the nuns had told her that no longer could they aid her and there was not left save to submit to the invader this was the story that with many tears the countess related to pardor lady said he with your permission i will take upon me your quarrel and to-morrow i will seek to encounter this felon the countess thanked him heartily and they retired to rest for that night in the morning bedtime sir pardor aroused donned his armour and seeking the countess desired that the portcullis might be raised for he would sally forth to seek her oppressor so he rode out from the castle and saw in the morning light a plain covered with the tents of a great host with him he took a herald to proclaim that he was ready to meet any in fair fight in the countess's quarrel for with in answer to his challenge there rode forward the baron himself a proud and stately knight mounted on a great black horse the two rushed together, and in the first encounter Sir Perdor unhorsed his opponent, bearing him over the crupper, which with such force that he lay stunned as one dead. Then Perdor, drawing his sword, dismounted and stood over the fallen knight, who, when he was recovered a little, asked his mercy. Gladly will I grant it, answered Perdor, but on these conditions ye shall disband this host restore to the countess therefore all of which you have deprived her and finally ye shall submit yourself unto her as her vassal all this the baron promised to do and perdor remained with the countess in her castle until she was firmly established in that which was rightfully hers then he bade her farewell promising his aid if ever she should need his services and rode so forth again and as he rode at times he was troubled thinking of the scorn which the fair anger had had treated him and reproaching himself bitterly for having broken his vow of silence so he journeyed many days and at length one morn dismounting by a little woodland stream he stood lost in thought heedless of his surroundings now as it chanced arthur and a company of his knights were encamped hard by for returning from an expedition the king had been told of perdor and how he had taken upon him the queen's quarrel and forthwith had ridden out in search of him when the king espied sir perdor standing near the brook he said to the knights about him know ye yonder knight i know him not said sir kay but i will soon learn his name so he rode up to sir perdor and spoke to him demanding his name when perdor answered not though questioned more than once sir kay in anger struck him with the butt end of his spear on the instant sir perdor caught him with his lance under the jaw and though himself unmounted hurled kay from the saddle 
then when kay returned not sir alwyn mounted his horse and rode forth to learn what had happened and by the brook he had found sir kay sore hurt and pordor ready mounted to encounter any who sought a quarrel but at once sir alwyn recognized sir pordor and rejoiced to see him and when he found sir pordor would speak no word being himself an honourable knight he thought no evil but urged him to ride back with him to arthur's camp and sir pordor still speaking never a word went with sir alwyn and all respected his silence save kay who was long healing of the injuries he had received and whose angry words none heeded so they returned to Carlion, and soon through the city were noisy noble deeds of Sir Perdor, each newcomer bringing some fresh story of his prowess. Then, when Anger had learned how true and famous was the knight whom she had lightly esteemed, she was sore ashamed, and seeing him ever foremost in the tournament and courteous to all indeed, though speaking not a word, she thought that never had there been so noble a knight or one so worthy of a lady's love thus in the winning of her favour sir perdor was released from his vow and his marriage was celebrated with much pomp before the king and queen long and happily he lived famed through all britain as one of the most valiant and faithful knights of king arthur's round table end of section twenty two read by anna